Well, again, good morning. If you're joining us online, thank you also for being with us. Hey, if you did not get to see last week's sermon, Johnny Howard spoke on just the the value of being connected. Um, I would really encourage you to watch that. I think he makes a case of, you know, we need to have another place besides Sunday morning we're being connected. So if you didn't see that, check that out on YouTube. Um, Yeah, just really encourage that. So the story goes that when Abraham Lincoln, President Abraham Lincoln, met Harriet um, Beecher Stowe. She said, this is the little woman who started the Great War. She wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin. And though Lincoln's statement was almost certainly hyperbole, she did write with a purpose in mind. She wanted to raise the awareness of the abolitionist cause, freeing slaves, and particularly uh, protesting the, the Fugitive Slave Act, which made it a crime for people in the northern states to help a runaway slave. She wrote with a point. Likewise, John has written Revelation with a point. This is not a book that we're going to sit around and theorize about and speculate about and try and crack the code about. No, no, there's a specific reason Revelation was written. And I want to talk about that today. We're finishing up. As Lindsay mentioned, this has been about a four-month series. This is the last um, series in the book of Revelation. But we're going to look at Revelation 22. We're going to wrestle with this question. What is the point? What's the point of Revelation? So if you've got a Bible, if you turn it to Revelation 22, we'll start in verse 6, and we'll go all the way to the end, I think is verse 21, with that question, what's the point of Revelation? Now, before we get in there, let me just give you a quick flyover of where we've been. Uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, really set the stage of what we got. We have a God giving a prophecy. He's going to communicate through symbols. Think about the political commentator uses political cartoons. The, the symbols are used to communicate a message. But this is a prophetic word. This is an authoritative word to seven churches and how they are to live under Roman oppression. We also find out that it is a letter. John opens with a salutation, grace and peace. This is typical of he's shepherding. Though John is already paying the price for his faith as he has been banished to the island of Patmos, he's living as an exile. He's shepherding seven churches who are living in the Roman Empire who are telling them that they must worship the emperor as God. We know that six of those churches Cities, the churches in, have had temples built by the Romans to worship. Five has, have a subsidized priesthood to aid these people in worshiping the emperor. The idea was the Romans believed the gods mediated their blessing to the emperor. And people are being called to renounce Jesus, to worship these gods. Chapters 1 through 3 then are a, a message to each of the churches, specifically what's going well, what needs to change. Chapters 4 and 5... Uh, John in the vision is in heaven. In heaven, things are in order. On earth, not so much. And the scroll is revealed, which will bring God's order to earth. He will judge the unrighteous, and he will vindicate the righteous. But it has seven seals on it, and no one is found fit to open the seals. And John begins to cry until he hears about the Lion of Judah and the Root of David. Militaristic terms for sure. But then he looks and he sees a slain lamb. And the idea is we will conquer just as God did by dying for our enemies. And so he begins to open the seven seals. And that begins a series of three 
seven-step judgments. The first one is the seals, and we get those in chapters six through eight. And they move chronologically until the seventh one, which instead of taking to the end, uh, introduces the next set of judgments, and, and that's the trumpets. And we get seven of those, and they take us to the final set of judgments, the bowl judgments, but before that, we get an interlude in chapters 12 through 14, which introduce uh, a dragon and two beasts, representative of Satan, the Antichrist, and one who serves the Antichrist. And it is clear, as we move to the end of time, that there's a, a movement of intimidation and deception to get people to renounce Jesus. But what we see is there's a spiritual battle going on behind the physical battle. Then that introduces, in chapters 15 and 16, the seven bold judgments. And that takes us to the end. Chapters 18 and 19, God dismantles Babylon, any institution that would stand against him. Uh, chapters 19 and 20 is the final battle, evil against God. God wins decisively. Chapters 21 and 22 then are the marriage of heaven and earth, God's restoration of the kingdom. And here in chapter 22, we're going to get the final comments from John. And here's what he says. Starting in verse 6, he said, And he said to me, These words are faithful and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show to his bondservants the things which must soon take place. So God is authenticating the angel. Remember, it goes from Jesus to an angel to John. And this angel is being authenticated. This is truly God's spokesperson. Verse 7, Jesus speaking said, Behold, I'm coming quickly. This is the first of three times in this passage Jesus will say, I'm coming quickly. If it's said three times, we ought to take note. That means he can return at any time. We ought to be paying attention. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. This is the first of four times that the word prophecy will be used in this text. Prophecy, yeah, there is a future telling but is more, prophecy is more about instruction on how to live. When we talk about a prophetic word, it's coming from God to the prophet to the people. You better pay attention. That's got authority to it. This is a prophetic word on how to live. Specifically for who? For the seven churches who are being pressured to renounce Jesus. Remember, you're supposed to be worshiping the emperor as God, and you're talking about one who wanted to overthrow the Roman emperor, empire. The, the trade guilds had their own gods, and in each quarter, month, whatever, there'd be a, a feast in, in recognition of them, and, and they're supposed to participate. I can't do that. Man, you're threatening the Roman empire. I don't know that we can have you working in this trade, in this guild. You are risking the blessings of the gods by worshiping your Jesus. And so this is a prophetic word, and we'll hear that word four times. That God will vindicate the righteous and the faithful, and he will judge the unrighteous and the unfaithful. Verse 8 and 9, John, John writes this, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things, and when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. But he said to me, do not do that. I'm a fellow servant of yours and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who heed the words of God, worship God. And imagine, John, you're getting this vision and you got this intermediary, and by mistake you fall down and worship the angel. This is not the first time John does that. 
And he says, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm a created being too. You need to be worshiping God. Verse 10, and he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book. Now that's in contrast to what was written to the prophet Daniel. Daniel, the Old Testament prophet, had a vision of the end times, but he was told to seal up the words because this would be a long time. What's changed is the coming of Jesus. Everything's in play now that he's come one time because he could come back at any time. For Daniel's words, it's seal them up because this won't happen. But now that Jesus is coming, John has a different word. Don't, don't seal them up. Because Jesus is saying, I'm coming soon. That means he could come at any time. Don't seal these words up. Verse 11, let the one who does wrong still do wrong. And the one who is filthy still be filthy. And let the one who is righteous still practice righteousness. And the one who is holy still keep himself holy. What's that about? That is in line with, I'm coming soon. And the idea is, you will reap what you have sown. Judgment is coming. And the practice is, it's coming soon. It's a figure of speech to say that. Verse 12, behold, I'm coming quickly. Second time, we've heard that phrase. So it's be ready, I could show up any time. And my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. Whoa, 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 pastor. We're gonna be judged according to what we've done. Isn't it salvation by grace through faith? Yeah, it is. But the Bible is equally clear that our faith will be shown true by our actions. James and Jesus in the Gospels makes it clear that faith will work itself out in God-like character and God-like concern for the less fortunate and for the broken. We will live as Jesus lived. We'll live with those values. We're gonna be judged according to what we've done and our faith should bring us in line with Jesus. Perfect, no. Sinless, no. But following him, yes. Jesus said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. We have heard this phrase all the way through the book of Revelation. And he's saying, Alpha and Omega are the first and last letters in the Greek alphabet. I'm the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He's saying the same thing three times over. Why is he doing that? Because it's very easy when you're living in the Roman Empire to think this is endless. This is the most powerful empire ever seen. This, this will go forever. No, it won't. No, it won't. The United States, it's rolling. It'll go forever. No, no, it won't. In fact, no human nation, no human institution will go forever. There's one who is eternal. His name is Jesus. And so when you're thinking, to whom am I going to give my allegiance, that needs to be Jesus. Human institutions, human governments, clubs, whatever, they look eternal. They're not. They come and they go, and God is trying to stress that. And to these seven churches, remember, they're being pressured by the Roman Empire. And man, to them, the Roman Empire looks eternal. And Jesus say, no, it's not. Blessed are those who wash their robes. Now, the verb tense would say this is an ongoing action. And again, this is, we're talking a lot of metaphor, a lot of figure of speech. They're people who are continually washing themselves. They will not be contaminated by the culture. In particular, they will not buy in to worshiping someone or something other than Jesus as God. 
I won't be sullied. I won't be dirtied. What does it say about those who are continually washing their robe? So that they may have the right to the tree of life. And we talked about that in Revelation 21 two weeks ago. God would restore the kingdom. So I just came back from vacation and we had about an hour before our flight left and we were in our little hotel room and um, my wife likes HGTV. Do any of you like HGTV? And we were watching Flip or Flop. Have you watched that? And they get this dive of a house and they come in and they invest this and, they, and they, 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 it's time lapse. What they, they show you, man, the after is incredible. Okay, that's just a picture of what God's going to do in our world. He's going to restore it. He's going to renew it. And for those who are faithful, you will take part in this renewed kingdom, the tree of life. That's a metaphor for that. You may enter by the gates into the city. This renewed, this restored place, that's yours. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the immoral persons and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices lying. That doesn't mean they're going to be right next to each other, but it's drawing a contrast. There's two ways this is going. You're going to be spending time in God's eternal kingdom or you're going to be facing the judgment of God. I, Jesus, verse 16, have sent my angel to testify to these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David. That fulfills an Old Testament prophecy that God gave to David. It said, out of your family will come an eternal kingdom. And it's just confirming that. I am the, from the line of David. And I'm the bright morning star. What's that? Back when I used to work with Campus Crusade, now crew, I was in Colorado, and at the end of the uh, school year, I would drive down to Dallas. That's where most of my donors were. And because it was hot, I would drive through the night. And I got to tell you, about 4 or 5 a.m., I'm really looking for the sun to come up. I'm really looking for it, the, the end of the night. It's been a long, okay? Well, that's what's going on here. Life's full, it's hard. And these churches have been going through it. And Jesus says, I am the bright morning star. I am the one that'll bring an end to this. You know, this at, the, at this time, um, Domitian was the ruler, the emperor, the Caesar of Rome. And they wrote this about Domitian. Thou morning star, bring on the day. Come and expel our fears, Rome begs, that Caesar may appear soon. That was written of Domitian. He's the bright and morning star. And, and John, in a way, said, no, 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 he's not. Domitian, he's going to come and he's going to go. I'm the one who will bring an end to this. Verse 17, there's four invitations here. Uh, the spirit and the bride say, come. There's invitation number one. And let the one who hears say, come. There's invitation number two. And let the one who is thirsty come. That's invitation number three. And let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. That's invitation number four. Life is always, a water is always a metaphor for life. And Jesus, in his earthly ministry, made it clear he was the source 
of living water. John 7, 37 and 38 say this. Now the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out, saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. For he who believes in me, as the scripture says, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. So here's the question for you and for me. Where are we looking for life, ultimately? In the promotion, in the acceptance? Because that's what these people had, you know, in, in the, the first century churches there. If, if you, you can find life, if you'll just bow and, and worship, and you can be part of the Roman culture, the greatest culture that had been known. But th- those principles apply to us. You know, if you get the promotion, if you get the right relationship, if you get in the right, I mean, if you get invited to eat lunch at the right table, you can have life. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. I'm the ultimate source of life. And if you've never trusted Christ as we finish this series, the time is now. He, the fact is we're all sinful. We're all separated. We all deserve this judgment. He came and he died on the cross and he rose again that we might have liver. Rivers of living water flowing out of it. That's a metaphor. Lots of metaphor here. What? That you might experience life in its full. Before we moved here, we were in Sierra Vista, Arizona, high desert, 4,000 feet. Um, The topography was brown with a few cactus. But the San Pedro River ran through the area. Now, you and I would call it a creek. There wasn't a whole lot of water there. But you could see the flow of the San Pedro River for miles because on its shores, it had green all around it. Why? Because it was a source of water. But you begin moving 20, 30, 40 feet from that, then it gets brown. I mean, it was very clear from a distance where the San Pedro River was running because it was green on its borders. Do you understand that life comes in Jesus? And just as the green borders showed the river, so the life we live exemplifies Jesus. Verses 18 and 19, I testify to everyone who hears these words of the prophecy, third time we've heard that word of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. So don't change the message of what's being here, written here. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, fourth time we've heard it, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city which are written in this book. Don't mess with the message. The message is to the first readers and to us, your allegiance will be challenged. Their allegiance was being challenged. They were being called to worship Domitian as God. They were being called to buy in to the culture that worshiped the various gods of the various trades. And to say no would cost them. Some of it cost them their lives. And let me tell you, that practice is going on all around the world. People are saying no to renouncing Jesus and they're losing their life. They're being thrown in prison. They're losing their family. They're losing the right to work. For now, we enjoy greater freedoms, but worshiping Jesus comes at a cost. So what's the point of Revelation? Here it is. It's a prophetic word, an authoritative word, if you will, calling us to maintain our allegiance to Jesus. 
This is not a book in which we're supposed to crack the code and figure out when is Jesus coming back. No, 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 no. That's not even close. This is a prophetic word, an authoritative word, calling us to maintain our allegiance to Jesus. From time to time, I watch clips of the news. I don't watch the news, but I'll watch little clips on my news app and stuff. And in this one, an embedded reporter was with uh, two Ukrainian soldiers. And they were under fire, and then, you know, they'd launch their stuff, and then they'd run back. And, and, you know, they're they're working through a translator. But these soldiers had a pretty good idea. They would lose their life defending their country. But they apparently rather do that than live under the tyranny of Russian rule. They were that committed to the cause. If that's true of an earthly country, how much more with Jesus? We'll pay the price, the cost. Because God promises to reward those who are faithful and he will judge those who are not. And I'll be honest, I mean, this is a, can be an unsettling message. Can you imagine being one of those seven churches where you are facing the most powerful empire known in humankind who is putting pressure on you? It would be easy to be afraid, as it might be today. And yet God's number one command to his people is, do not fear. So when God introduced this vision to John, he wrote these words in John 1, 17 and 18. This is John saying, when I, John, saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man, and he placed his right hand on me saying, do not be afraid. Why not? Because I am the first and the last and the living one, and I was dead, and behold, I'm alive, and I have the keys of death and of Hades. Domitian, the Roman emperor, any other human institution doesn't have that kind of power. Jesus does. So why are we not to be afraid in the midst of this? Because God is eternal. He has repeated over and over and over again in this book. I'm the first and the last. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. Beginning, first and last words in the Greek and the Alpha. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm eternal. Would we take hold of this eternal one and not be afraid? No matter what the cost. Verse 20, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I'm coming quickly. It's the third time we've heard that phrase. Jesus could come back at any time. We need to be prepared. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And then in verse 21, John writes, again, this is the shepherd. This is the pastor living in exile on the island of Patmos. Seven churches. He writes, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. John is a shepherd. He is a pastor watching over his flock through a symbolic vision communicated by Jesus. He's interpreted these symbols to give them a prophetic word to stay faithful and to stay true. Back in the day, I was a student at Texas A&M. And during finals week, one of the fun pranks that students would do 
is they would pull the fire alarm in the library. People would go to study during dead week and finals week to the library, and somebody would think, ha, 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 I'll pull the fire alarm. And it was, I think the library was six or eight stories, and there were fire alarms all over the place. And bam, bam, bam. And it's kind of, you're trying to study for finals, and you, it's kind of a pain. And, and you know what? It got to the point that students just thought, yeah, I'm not going. I don't think it's legit, and this is a prank that's going on after you've been, by my sophomore year, I figured out this is a prank every semester, this is what's going to happen. So people wouldn't leave. They were disregarding the warning. Dull, big signs in the library, if you don't leave during the, a fire alarm, the campus police are going to come through and they're going to ticket you. Now, nobody, nobody believed that. And sure enough, I don't know, maybe it was my sophomore or junior year, the campus cops come through, and they start writing citations. And let me tell you, that got all kinds of press at the, week, the, the student paper, and those are bad eggs who are doing that. I can't believe the campus police are doing that. But why, why were they doing that? Why? Because if this alarm were real, and it were ignored, hundreds of people would die needlessly. Okay, so John the shepherd, prompted by Jesus with the angelic intermediary, is begging, don't ignore this. The, the, the return of Jesus is, is, is soon, it's imminent. It could happen at any time. Let's be prepared. We're going to live in a world that's going to demand we compromise our allegiance to Jesus. And John is saying, don't do it. Instead, take hold of the one who is truly eternal, who has said over and over again, I am the Alpha and the Omega, I'm the beginning and the end, I'm the first and the last. If you ask me to break Revelation down to one word, I'd say allegiance. Allegiance, allegiance to Jesus. That's going to be pushed, that's going to be tested. And the point of Revelation is a prophetic word, it's an authoritative word to maintain our allegiance to Jesus.